This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. From the ArmeniaProud.com studios. Genatsat Hayed. This is a toast to Armenia with Jono Kabinjian. A comprehensive look at the Armenian culture only on lineupmedia.fm. Genatsat, Genatsat, Pai Luisin, Spesak, Brian, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great today. Are you really doing great today? I mean, we have a, a winter that just hit us on Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. I had to drive like 50 miles an hour on the 65. I, you know what? I hate weather like this. See, I loved it. I fell asleep last night with like my blinds open, watching the snowfall. Oh, I love winter. Every I'm, flight I'm that came guy. down, I was uh, cursing the world Thanks. because I, I, I just, I just can't drive in snow. I don't know what it is, and everyone around me seems like they get uh, slower as well. I don't know what the because I was I was going at, at normal speeds on the highway uh, all the way to the office. So, you know they don't tell Which you is bad. This My brother the... got into an accident last night because he hit some ice and veered off yeah, the road and everything. There you go. But, you see, and here but you I are, did okay. like a little gazelle out there. I'm a gazelle. Yeah, I uh, I have that Tesla, and uh, the Teslas do not like winter weather. I no. don't know what it is. They uh, all the front the battery the I have to turn off the elect uh not the electricity, right? I wouldn't be driving. <laughs> wouldn't be I turn off the heater. I turn the heater off sometimes because I don't want to waste electric miles and all that. So mm. it becomes a mess when I'm driving the Tesla. And you know what? Maybe, just maybe you come to my neck of the woods and pick me up, my sure. friend. Sure, I'll pick you up. That 1% Armenian. I need it now more than ever. <laughs> Hey, Brian, our guest this week, uh, you know, I always say I'm a little excited about this. I'm excited about this guest. You're an excited guy. I'm an excited guy. But this guest right here kind of is the sports type of uh, people that I like to interview. And uh, we've got the international, Dover International Speedway. He's now the president. He's an officer, executive, all that good stuff. And we've got Mike Tatoyan. Did I say that, Mike? Did I say the last name? Yeah, right? you said just just like a true Armenian. You said yeah. it exactly right, Mike Tatoyan. Yes, good. How are you guys doing? We are doing great, my friend. Uh, so happy to have you on board here. And uh, you know, uh, it's it's amazing that we look around. We look around the business all over the world. And uh, how did an Armenian get to be part of NASCAR? I mean, uh, you guys. <laughs> I mean, you always think of uh, NASCAR as the Jones, the Smiths, or something like that. And here we have a <laughs> Tatoyan. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, is, a, it is a rarity. But I, I think, uh, first of all, thank you for, for having me on. I, I love what you guys are doing. I love to hear uh, that our, uh, our Armenian culture is flourishing so much. And so I, I've learned so much from your from your podcast when I uncovered them about a year or so ago. So uh, thank you for having me on and, and, and just, just proud to be on and proud to share. And uh, I, uh, you know, it's an, it's an interesting journey. I, I grew up in Iowa and born and raised in Bettendorf, Iowa. And in, in the Midwest, in, in Iowa, there weren't a lot of Armenian families, but we, I, I was a huge uh, sports fan. 
and and uh, and my my father really was the influence. He was a a St. Louis Cardinals uh, baseball fan and a Green Bay Packers football fan. So growing up, um, sports was a major part of my life. I loved playing sports, participating in sports. Went to the University of Northern Iowa and played football at uh, in college. And I knew somewhere along the line, I always wanted to be either a coach or an athletic director, but, but, but sports and competing. And that's what I really like competing is what I really enjoy doing. So my first job out of, out of college was I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I, I literally was back then it was called the group sales department. So we, we were, I was working for the Texas Rangers double a baseball team in, in Tulsa. And my first job was literally just uh, smile and dial. We were just calling, literally going through the phone book. Of course, we didn't have 25 years ago, 30 years ago, we didn't have computers, but we did have index cards that had a lot of information on it. And we did have have a phone book. So it started way back then in minor league baseball. And and it's kind of like one thing leads to another. Uh, Ended up getting into an ownership position where we owned and operated minor league baseball teams, minor league hockey teams, arena football league teams. And I did that for many, many years. And then this opportunity to be the president and CEO here uh, came about actually when I was living in St. Louis. Um, Gateway yeah. is, uh, is, was previously owned and operated by our company. And just a friend of a friend said that they were looking for uh, somebody to run the, uh, their, the, the, we're a publicly traded company. And at the time, we owned the track here in Dover, in St. Louis, Nashville, and in St. Louis. I'm sorry, and in Memphis. Right. And so, um, in in our in our world, uh, the infrastructure of running sports teams is the same. So I I don't compete. Uh, I certainly I get sick when I go over speed bumps. So the last thing I want to do is race <laughs> a car, screaming around the track. Um, so one thing led to another, and and, and in our world. It uh, it really is the business side that I take care of here, and it was a comfortable transition from owning and operating minor league teams to to doing this, and it's been terrific for the last uh, ten plus years. Has it been, Mike? Uh, getting into the NASCAR arena, folks. Uh, l- let me tell you a little bit about NASCAR from what I know. It's not like your Indy Five Hundred racing that you all have seen. In Europe, and uh, when you're watching in Armenia, you're watching uh, car racing. It's not those little guys. These are the big Americana type of cars that go around oval, and they're doing about, I'd say, about 240, 260, you know, something like that. So the, the, these are the pure American type of racing that was, uh, I guess it was all generated uh, on, the, on a beach on a beach in uh, in Florida, right uh, in Daytona. Yeah, it all started yeah, there. Yeah, so, yeah. The the heritage of NASCAR goes back to the bootlegging days, right. actually. So it really was, you know, you and Brian were making, were doing some bootlegging, and you were trying to run away from the cops, and so you had to build a vehicle that could that could <laughs> that could that could speed quick enough to get away from. Uh, from the from the law and then one thing led to another you know you then wanted to compete against the other bootleggers from uh literally from from racing your cars and then like you just said Jono, the uh the, the the first race was on the beach in daytona 
and, and a lot of people showed up to watch these cars racing, and that's how it started 65, 70 years ago. Brian, yeah. Brian, you got. I was just going to say, here. my family actually was involved in bootlegging uh, back That's great. throughout the Midwest. I hope they don't so. come after us now. <laughs> Why would they? They're good people. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's funny. So it's been, it, you know, it. Uh, I I love the uh, in every sport. It, you guys are sports fans. I mean, I, we lived in St. Louis for a while, and and growing up a Cardinals fan, there's there's no better passion, uh, I think, in any sport. In, in any country than Cardinals fans have with, uh, with St. Louis and, and, but the same passion exists in NASCAR as it does in major league baseball, the NHL, uh, the NFL. Right. And, and really from, from my perspective, uh, I, like I said, we're, we're really the host of the event. So we don't, we don't have anything really to do with the, the actual competition. We're not changing lug nuts and changing tires what, what what my role is and what I really try to impart upon our employees and you guys, everybody around the world that's listening to this will know that when you went somewhere with your family and friends, whether it was a concert or a, an, 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 a museum or a sporting event, you're really trying to create memories for them. And so my role as a NASCAR executive and from a track promoter perspective is how do we create those memories so when they leave our track our first race weekend is coming up in may they'll always remember yeah that was a we had such a great time in dover in may because you know whatever that is and and i have so many wonderful memories from that as a child growing up in iowa going to games with uh, my father and my family. And so we're, we're really trying to create memories that that experiences. That's what the business side of sports is about. Obviously we're publicly traded. We need to make money, but it really is when you, when you get yourself in that kind of mindset that you're trying to create memories for families uh, and fans, that that's, that's really where you start to be successful. Now, was your dad, uh, did he get into sports? Was he a competitive type of individual? Well, my, my father was, he fought in the Korean War. He lives in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, uh, uh, he, he did, well, he was in the Marines compete, but it, it, it's, it's crazy how the world works. Um, when I was growing up in Iowa, in the, when I was a young, youngster in the, uh, the mid-late 60s, we were in Davenport, Iowa, where there was a minor league baseball team. And one of the catchers for the California Angels team that was the affiliate that was playing in Davenport, the, they were the Quad City Angels, was a catcher by the name of Brandon Unjan, an Armenian. An Armenian. And so, and so he, so we, my, my father, uh, have, being, being basically the, the, one of the very few Armenian families in the Quad Cities, Brendan would come over and my mom would make some terrific uh, Armenian food and Brendan would bring over a lot of the uh, of the minor league baseball players with That's him beautiful. because they heard of this great Armenian food. And so it, it, it really started from a young age and these those guys helped me and my dad was my coach in, uh, it, when I was a kid in football and baseball. So he never competed professionally. It, it, he was just a huge sports fan, right. which had a big influence on, on me. 
And it's amazing too, Mike, uh, that you just said that because once we see an Armenian, once we hear there's an Armenian in town or something, we embrace that. We embrace that, and that that's it's so much like our culture, what your mom and dad did. Just bring, bring him over, bring his friends over. To see him smile and leave your house that night, that's, that's, that's the world. Well, you, you know, um, you know uh, being raised in an Armenian environment, the love language is our food, right? I mean, yes. it is the, the, the more you eat, the more, the more you're loved. And, and, and that's just the love language. And, and I think one of the, which I have as a screensaver on my, on my cell phone, if you remember uh, to what you just said, uh, William Soroyan has a, a beautiful quote. And at the end of the quote, he says, for when two of them meet anywhere in the world, see if they will not create a new Armenia. And, and that's exactly what happens when two uh, Armenians that have never met each other, within about 30 seconds, someone is inviting someone over to their house yeah. for hospitality. That, that, that's just who we are, and that's who my parents showed me when I was six or seven years old, bringing in these minor league baseball players, including this young Armenian kid who was from California playing you know, baseball in Iowa. It's just all about yeah. showing uh, love and uh, and gratitude, and 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 food seems to be always at the center of of all of that. Right, right. Uh, going back to my original question, uh, we, you know, we we look at like I said, we look at uh, people uh, in NASCAR like the good old boys, the NASCAR. Was it a little bit more tougher on you to get into that mainstream, having the name Tatoyan? I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's not, it, it's, it's a tougher uh, bracket to get into on NASCAR. I could see it everywhere else, but I've always pictured NASCAR as a southern, uh, like I said, good old boys, and once you're in there, it, it's like uh, they treat you like family, but just getting in that door had to be, uh, had to be a little uh, different for you. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um from the business side, I, I grew up, uh, I actually was not a, uh, a NASCAR fan. I was all about football and, and baseball. Th- those were my passions. Yeah. And when I grew up, I, I didn't, I, I didn't attend a NASCAR event um, just because I just wasn't I, I, a car, the, the cars and the mechanics and motorsports just was not in uh, kind of in my sphere of influence. But when I, when I took this position, uh, because you're exactly right that the roots of NASCAR are, are is definitely southern, but NASCAR as a sanctioning body and as a sport um, has done just a terrific job of really trying to cycle out of that um, reputation right. or the brand of it just being in the south. And so now you know there's there's tracks in California and there's tracks in Phoenix, and and NASCAR actually has a uh, a second, third, and fourth series that goes up into Canada and now is over over into Europe and 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 in China. So they're really trying to grow wow. the sport. But it, but it really was a from the business perspective, it wasn't much of a learning curve because look the, at the end of the day, our our response, my responsibility is how do we generate revenue and keep our expenses down, just like most businesses. Um, but it. It, it, there are some nuances in this sport that are, that are different and, uh, and, and you have to knit all those differences together. But it, 
I haven't I haven't run into any other Armenians. So to answer your question, yeah, uh, I haven't. There aren't a lot of Armenians running around the sport of NASCAR. That's for sure. But uh, hopefully that will start to change. And you know what? Uh, we had Krikorian who uh, mm-hmm. made that movie, The Promise. I wish he would have put a NASCAR Armenian team together with that Yera Queen with a red, blue, and orange car. It would have been <laughs> outstanding. But. Uh, yeah. But I tell you what, uh, Mike, uh, the conviction, the, I mean, uh, the, uh, you know, when I worked uh, at the steel mill in Granite City uh, on my college uh, summer days, uh, you know, just uh, that was our job. And uh, I tell you what, they got their steel uh, safety helmets on and uh, it's uh, they got they got the teams, they got the Gordon helmets, they got the Petty, they got the Earnhardt's and it's a it's a strong fan base for sure. Yeah, there's a there's a tremendous affinity towards the sport, and our our fans are they're they're very very passionate, and it really is. Uh, if 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 you haven't been, obviously, uh, anytime you're uh, when you're on visiting the East Coast, you're you're my guest. But um, it, there is a real family culture, and and while it's 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 certainly not uh, to the like like Armenians, but our, typically our fans will come and they will camp, they'll hang out for the weekend, and it really is part of their culture. It's who they are, it's who they want to be, and a lot of our fans are migratory. So in other words, they'll travel to Dover for our race, and then the next weekend they may be in Charlotte, and then the next weekend they may be in up in the Poconos at a race there, and the next weekend they may be out in Chicago. So they're very committed, they're very dedicated, uh, very migratory, they move around. It, it really is... It's like when the circus comes to town, and that's kind of what the sport is. You know, we, we, we're fortunate. We get to host two national uh, race weekends here, one in the spring in May and one again in the, uh, in the fall in October. And uh, the, the, the motorsports world has their eyes on, on our particular city and our particular track, and our, our, every track has its own physical nuances. So we have a, we're the fastest one-mile oval in uh, in the world so to give you an idea of what our track our configuration is like is if you were to take your cereal uh, a cereal bowl mm-hmm. and you were to stretch you were to stretch it a little bit not a lot but a little bit uh, that's what the cars race on here and it is uh, the, the drivers all of the nascar drivers will tell you that um they feel like they're going about 350 miles an hour just because of the physical nature of of racing around a cereal bowl. Um, there, there's there's 40 cars on the track, one inch apart from you know from from uh, from head to toe, um, from front end to the back end. They're going for about three and a half or four hours with that kind of intensity, and it is. It is just crazy. I, I, you know, being in it for the 11 years, I still watch and think, how, how in the world? Do is he... Yeah, yeah it, it is just crazy. But they're incredibly talented and incredibly fit, great athletes to be able to do that. And obviously, the other thing that I think people don't realize in our sport is how much technology goes into uh, goes into our sport in our cars. So for instance, you know, most people think of NASCAR as, you know, cars going really fast and they just keep turning left, right? You right. just keep turning yeah. left, you know, as you go around the track. 
But there's so much technology that goes in. In, in other words, we have um, each each team, every car that you see on the track, there's probably 100 to 150 members of that team back in the shop preparing for that car to be on the track. You're kidding. And so 150? The, the, wow. The, the, there's, there's a tremendous amount of technology at, from – you know what's the what's the humidity? Are you are you racing on concrete or are you racing on asphalt? What's the pitch of the degrees of the turns? We have twenty eight degree turn uh, twenty eight degrees in our in our turns. So like I said, going around that that cereal bowl is a lot different than going on a flat surface. So um, you know what's the barometric pressure? What's the tire pressure? So there's a tremendous amount of technology technology and a lot of engineers, believe it or not, which will cast a little bit of different light on the sport. There are a lot of engineers that work for NASCAR teams just for what I'm talking about. Wow, wow. And you know what? They're just trying to get that one one-hundredths of a second reduced and all that just just for that. So, yeah, it, it, it is modern. exactly right. It is modern. Yeah you're, you're, yeah, you're exactly right. They're always looking for that slight little edge. We've all watched um, competition where somebody misses it by – a tenth of a second or a tenth of a point or one point, you know, it's just, it's that last piece that they're looking for that one little bit of advantage. And that just comes from, you know, sophistication, engineering, and just really knowing the vehicle as it goes around the track. Well, I tell you what, you haven't stopped with NASCAR. I think uh, the sophistication of you being part of Dover, you've also introduced, you know what, let's, Let's put aside uh, music. and I mean, let's put aside the racing and let's bring in the uh, concerts. You've introduced that to the <laughs> Dover as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. It's been uh, seven or eight years ago uh, we were looking for an opportunity. So our, our core business, of course, is uh, we live in and breathe uh, motorsports in, in, our, in our major race weekends. That, that, that really is kind of the oxygen of our company. But we're also looking for incremental revenue opportunities. And I, I think, look, in your own backyard, uh, the Cardinals are doing that at Bush Stadium by bringing in right. uh, outside, of, outside of baseball. They bring in soccer or concerts. And in, in every, every major facility in the United States, uh, are, they rely on their core product. But everyone is now looking for that incremental business. So about seven or eight years ago, we met a group out of Chicago and uh, they were a young entrepreneurial uh, group that uh, together we decided to co-host a, a, a music festival. And it really was uh, to their credit uh, that they, they had this vision and they were looking on the East Coast to be able to host this event. And they went up and down the East Coast and uh, for lots of different reasons, we were just the right fit for them. We were the right staff, we were the right place in the country. And we created what is now called Firefly Music Festival. And we're going to be hosting our seventh one this June. And to say this thing hit Rolling Stone magazine has said this was the, the, the greatest start of a music festival that they can remember uh, when we started back uh, this. Well, this will be our seventh. So we've had six. On, we've got six under our belt. But it is a, it's a four day music festival. Uh, we get about. 
80 to 90,000 fans wow. per day at the music festival. It's wow. the largest camping, largest camping music festival of the 90,000, about 50 or 60,000 fans camp on our property. Now, now think of that. Wow. 60,000, that's a city. That's, a, that's um, two, two granite cities. Can you believe yeah, it? Yeah, two, two granite cities, right. Yeah. And so, it, and we've had, uh, we have around 120 to 130 bands play almost 24-7 for four straight days. And we've had Paul McCartney, Tom Petty, uh, Bob Dylan, the Foo Fighters, the Killers, Snoop Dogg, Earth, Wind & Fire. I mean, we, we've, we've had such a tremendous uh, lineup of talent. And, uh, and, and last year, ironically, I, and we always go back to our Armenian roots, one of, the, one of my favorite bands last year to perform was a band called Capital Cities. And uh, lo and behold, the uh, lead singer for Capital Cities, it's a pop, pop they're, they're pop rock, pop, pop band, uh, his name was Cebu Simonian in Armenia. And, and no, it was so. And so I popped back into the artist lounge and I introduced myself. And precisely what you and I and Brian were just talking about a few minutes ago, uh, we went from having no idea who each other was to quickly just exchanging Armenian stories. And, 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 and he's, as you know, from the hundreds of guests that you've had on prior to, to, to me, we all kind of have the same uh, background, right? We all come from the sure. same roots and the same, same stories. And uh, Cebu was was uh, gracious enough before he was, you know, he was about an hour away from going out on stage, but he lit it up. I mean, he had probably 50 or 60,000 fans just rocking and rolling at our main stage. And it was, so it was, it, it was great. And I, and I think uh, anytime we, we see an Armenian performing or achieving you, you just swell up in, yes. in so much pride. And, and as Cebu was rocking and just killing it, it was so cool to see him knowing that, you know, he, he and I and you and other Armenians have the same lineage um, and the same, uh, the, the, the same survivor mentality. And here he is rocking it out, killing it. So anyway, it, it's been uh the music festival has been great. Uh, if you're a music fan, please come out and spend a day or two with me. Um, it is, it's, it's very cool. It's a different, it's a different audience, obviously, as, as, as this typically is a, um, yeah, our audience in NASCAR is a, you know, 45 to 55 year old. Mm -hmm. the, the music festival is about half of that. I mean, the majority of, you know what it is? Think of the, uh, Think of uh, of uh, Woodstock. It is a modern day Woodstock, and and it's just a terrific event. Which, um, unfortunately, one thing that we've been focused on more and more and more with these um, mass um, mass appeal, mass audiences, is uh, safety and security. You know, sure. so that's the thing that kind of keeps us up at night. Is how do we keep ninety thousand people safe when they're out in uh, yeah. in our campgrounds? But it's been it's been great. So it's given me an opportunity to get in an area of business that I was completely unfamiliar with. But I go back to the the, the kind of the core of of uh, running a a, a, a a facility or a sports team or a music festival. It really are it really is fundamentals and the fundamentals of just 
the fundamentals of business and reven- generating revenue and watching expenses. And the transition is, uh, I don't think I have any any special talent that uh, that certainly others don't have. It really is just being able to pay attention to the fundamentals. And we and we we did that with the music festival, and fortunately, it's it's treated us well. Well, you know what, Mike, uh, you're you're humble on this too because uh, you were one of the pioneers that put that together for that track. And uh, I did a little background here, and uh, my friend, uh, it, I mean, you you had to. You had to open the door. You had to walk into the door and say, hey, you know what? Why don't we throw this? And there had to be some people out there that said, hey, we don't do that type of stuff here. This is a, a racetrack. We, and now it's, uh, like you said, 80,000 people a day for a four-day event. And it, it's it's, yeah. it's got to take a lot of time. Even when you're off-season, this has got to be oh, – yeah. you guys are still rolling, getting plans ready. Yeah, yeah, it's – you must have been sitting in some of our board meetings and I was making this presentation. I told my <laughs> wife, I said, this is really going to work really well or I'm going to be out flipping hamburgers, one or the other. It's going to go one way or the other. <laughs> um, so, of course, it, it went the good way. So, yeah, you, you must have been eavesdropping on a board meeting about seven years ago. Well, um, it, but it, we're it, Armenian. You know, we know that stuff. Well, it takes, uh, it, it takes a lot of people, um, as you know. It just takes a lot of people to... Nobody does anything on their own, and certainly in this case, it it was it was not me. But you you do have to sometimes kind of, as they say, you know, out on the limb is where all the fruit is, and so you just have to get out there and and uh, see what happens. All right, uh, Mike, have you been to Armenia? Have you uh, got any plans? Uh, whenever you have some free time, uh, are you ever planning on uh, going there with your wife sometime? Oh my gosh! We could spend the next four hours talking about what my trip that's coming up. So, no, I haven't been to Armenia, and uh, I'm in my fifties. And so, you know, some people have said, you know, is this a bucket list item for you? And I actually, surprisingly enough, I tell them it's not a bucket list because I, I think of a bucket list, my own definition. I think of a bucket list of being something that you do once and and you don't do again. You know, you go to the Super Bowl, you right, go to right. a, you go to where you know a World Series game. M- my trip to Armenia is what w- I don't know what you call something a, more important than the bucket list. So I, I don't know what I don't know I don't know what list that is on, but this is more than a bucket list yeah. uh, to me. Um, uh, yeah, so right. to that end, I am. Uh, we have plans to go with a bunch of other Armenian couples to experience Armenia for the first time uh, in June, and we're going to spend uh, at least a couple of weeks over there. So it's actually it's perfect timing for me personally and professionally as our race is in May, our, uh, our music festival is in the middle of June, and right after Firefly, uh, we're going to take a couple of weeks, my wife and I, and a couple of other, uh, actually a bunch of other friend, Armenian friends from the East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. We're all planning to go to Armenia, and and I can't I can't tell you how excited I am to step foot on uh, on our motherland. I, I it's it's beyond. I don't have a vocabulary deep enough to be able to express to you how important that is for me. I, I, I'm a full blood, um, uh, Armenian. My, uh, my father, his family came from Moosh, which is now of course in Turkey. Um, 
my mother's side came from Kharpet, which is uh, which is now in uh, in Turkey as well, which basically was Western Armenia, um, it, it, you know, back in the day. And so I I'm a hundred percent Armenian, and I just know what our uh, our aunt, you know, what our what, well, what the what value the is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I I'm I'm looking. I've I've been a voracious reader of what we want to see and what we want to do and. And I and, and and any advice because I know you've been there and you you know you, it's obviously an incredible experience that you've had uh, on your trips to Armenia. So uh, yes, it really is something that I think uh, uh, every every Armenian uh, wants to do, uh, needs to do, if they live in the diaspora uh, to be able to get to Armenia and and have it all kind of resonate as to what our our uh, ancestors did. And you know I always. When I when I talk to folks about the genocide and uh, my perspective of it, I always think of because of my age, it was my grandparents uh, were the uh, um, were the survivors, and then you know my parents I see as the rebuilders, mm-hmm. and then I see you and me, you and me and other Armenians out there in the world as achievers, and 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 we couldn't achieve anything if not for the survivors, yeah. and. Uh, it's such an important thing personally for me to go there. And my wife is not, uh, is not Armenian, but I call her, I've, I've coined my own phrase. Uh, and she, this is one word. It's putting together two words. She's, she's an old Oh, so I, I, I she's my old Armenian. That's one word. Um, she's as, uh, I think committed to, um, our our heritage as as any other Odar, and so she's equally excited, and because she knows how much it means to me uh, personally. So anyway, it's a long winded answer. I, I can't no, tell I you how excited it. I am. I mm-hmm. love it. Th- thanks on that, Mike. Uh, when growing up, did your mom and dad did they entrench uh, that that history in you? I mean, was was it always there? Yeah, it it really was. We didn't. One thing that my uh, in my father's living, my my mother passed away uh, a few years ago. We 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 ate Armenian. Uh, I was a member of uh, the Armenian Youth Federation, by the way. For about a year or two, I held the uh, a- <laughs> the AYF uh, Midwest uh, shot put record. Uh, I, I think, of course, I think I was the only Armenian kid that threw a shot put on at, at the AYF Olympics. Wow. But, um, <laughs> You got the gold. You got the gold for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, So there were a couple of other Armenian families, and and we're part of AYF. And my my mother and father, uh, I knew, I I really started to understand about the genocide. Uh, My my on my mother's side, her 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 mother lived in um, in uh, New York, and I and I always remember my grandmother, uh, because we're growing up in, in Iowa and we didn't talk or be able to visit very often. But I remember my grandmother always, uh, obviously a great cook, but I always remember that, uh, she was sad a lot, so much. She was just always, yeah. I could see her, you know, sad or crying because she, she went through what so many, Armenians had to suffer through was the genocide. And she kept thinking about, um, her family and her, uh, that were 
you know, raped and, and murdered and, and friends. And, and it just, that's where I really, as a young kid. And so as I, as I grew up, um, I, you know, I, I, I think what's important for, for guys and gals our age is to instill that into our, into the next generation. And so we have Tammy, my wife and I have three kids, um, that are, uh, that, that really understand the, the genocide. My, my daughter is who lives in St. Louis and St. Charles, by the way. Um, That's around the corner. A, yeah. She's a, she's, she's learning just like from my mother, her grandmother, how to be a terrific Armenian cook. And so I, I just think it's important for us to continue that because uh, of just what, where, where we came from and, and to, really kind of celebrate the, the fact that their, uh, our ancestors were able to survive. But, but really now more important is, is to really celebrate uh, what we've achieved as a race and, right. and flourish. And just, so anytime I think we see another Armenian uh, anywhere, uh, and, and especially anyone that's succeeding, it, you, you have this, uh, right. just this undying level of, of pride because you know the history and I think the promise was a terrific I love the promise I took a lot of Odars to see that movie so they could have a real feel for what 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 uh, our grandparents or parents or great-grandparents went through yeah yeah I, I tell you what too Mike uh, just listening to you I I played football I I, I played the high school I was a captain and uh, co- college I went to Rockford and uh, uh, I, I was uh, I was captain there as well. I mean, the the whole premises is I always felt like I have to do a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit extra umph in there. And uh, and the Armenians out there throughout the world, yeah, even uh, even our God bless our troops in Artsakh that are on the on the line right there. We know it's four four against one all the time, and I, I mean it's always like. I, I don't want to say we're behind an eight ball, but the Armenian mentality is we we have to we have to stand above it. We have to whatever they got, we got to do a little bit better. And I, I think that whole uh, genocide thing really made us stronger as human beings as well. I, and and I, I'm not saying that as a something to embrace or anything like that, but I'm just saying that. You know, it, it it might have even drawn people together, Armenian people together, in a way. Uh, I I can't agree. I I can't agree more. I think it's really about resilience, and uh, you know, it it was a a race that was near extermination, and and to uh, to see it being rebuilt and see fellow Armenians achieve on on really the backs and the reliance upon the survivors. Um, it, it it does bring a race and an appreciation of who we are exactly. and what our history has been. It just brings a deeper appreciation and and you just well up in a sense of pride. And let let me tell you a short little story. Sure. I, I'm I'm fortunate to be in, involved with um, speaking of your, your speaking of our our men and women uh, doing battle. I was uh, I'm part of a a program with the United States Air Force, and it's a, it's a civic leader program that uh, I'm just privileged to be a part of that really uh, is, a, is an opportunity for, there's about 25 of us around the country 
that serve on this civic leader group, and, and we're un, unpaid. Uh, we get uh, selected by uh, the uh, Secretary of the Air Force and the Chief of Staff to serve on this, and we really are key communicators and advocates of, uh, of Air Force issues. So our, our role is to interface between the Air Force in our communities and talk about various programs, positions, issues, and and, and we're uh, think of us as as uh, we we trumpet what the Air Force wants us to trumpet on on their behalf. And so, um, it being physically close to the Pentagon, I'm fortunate enough to be able to spend a lot of time at the Pentagon. And last fall, we had a briefing by uh, a three-star general, and. Um, this general was an incredibly impressive. He was commander of the United States Air Force's Central Command in Asia. I mean, his responsibility is for it, it was for for developing contingency plans and conducting air operations for a 20 nation area, huge, wow. huge part of what's going on with ISIS. And his name was Jeff Harigian. He's an Armenian. Oh, wow. no, no, I was. And so after he gave us this brief, uh, it was about an hour, you know, I walked up and I said, I, uh, General Harigian, you're Armenian. You've got to be. And, and so, it, you know, immediately uh, it was a hug and a handshake. Oh, and wow. Isn't that awesome? That's, I mean, here we are. That's beautiful. A, a three-star general in the United States Air Force there's there's only about nine or ten four stars and about 20 or 30 three-star generals out of a force of six seven hundred thousand uh airmen national guard and reserves i mean this is the the cream of the crop of the cream of the crop of the cream of the crop was jeff hadigian we immediately started talking about our ancestors our food our family your kid he spends a lot of he spends a lot of time uh, in Turkey, which is a real challenge for him yeah. personally and professionally because of what Turkey means to us from a yeah. uh, Department of Defense perspective, but also knowing his heritage of what uh, what, what the, did, the, the, yeah. the crime of the, the crime of humanity. But those are the things as it relates to resilience and achieving and rebuilding and success and pride. Uh, here he is. He playing a major role in in our military, and he is and he and let me tell you, he looked Armenian too. Make no doubt about it, he was Armenian. <laughs> he is Armenian. Wow! Did he smile at you whenever you said, "Hey, you're Armenian, I'm Armenian"? I mean, he had to know. Anyway. Oh yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's 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 the immediate, you know, it, it's the immediate handshake and hug, and uh, and just. It just you know we didn't we, he obviously had more things on on his mind but but uh but we were able to chat for about ten or fifteen minutes an incredibly impressive guy, but you know he's Armenian, which made it even more special as he's you know delivering this grief to all of us it was it was very cool wow. Well, I tell you what, Mike, it's been great having you on. Uh, I can call you Yechbar because uh, we, whenever it, – it's amazing, too. You you found me on this one, on Armenia Proud, and I couldn't have been more honored by the fact that uh, you listened to our podcast show and you enjoy it. And what I wanted to bring to this forum was, you know, I want people to remember the genocide, but I also want them to know – 
the Mike Tatoyans out there that are making something happen and uh, and the Armenians that are just saying, hey, you know what? We, we want to m- move forward. We want to we want to make things right. We want to get things going and we want to make our Armenian. You know, you look at the Jewish race. Look how tight they are. Look what they uh, accomplish. Look what they do. And I, I just feel that the Armenians are just like that or even better. That's how that's how. I look yeah, at it. yeah. Yeah, no, and that's why I was when I, I I can't remember how I how I came across your your podcast, but I I know that you have listeners, you've got a great listenership. They're all around the the world. You, you know, you're connecting all of us together. And like I said, you and Brian and and your team, you help educate not only you know the Odars, uh, but really educate us. I've learned so much on your on your podcast, and you you relate back to the. Uh, you know, to the to the to the Jewish race and what happened with the Holocaust and and how much we do have, I think, in common uh, with what they went through and just the tightness of our nationality. And I think I might have even learned on one of your podcasts that the term genocide was coined after a oh. Yale uh, oh. uh, Raphael Lem- Lemkin right. was his yeah. name. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it was based on what happened to um, uh, the, the, the Holocaust and, and the, the, the Armenian genocide. And so we do have a lot in common. I, I mean, I, I am speaking from a biased perspective. I, I think we're the greatest, you know, great, greatest race on the planet. But I, I, have reason, I have reasons why I believe that. But uh, just resilience and rebuilding and pride. And uh, like you said, anytime two strange, two uh, uh, Armenians meet each other, yeah. they create a new Armenia. And I think we've done that. I've done that with you. And uh, I, I, I visit St. Louis. Uh, matter of fact, Granite City. I've been to the church, Armenian church. My mom and dad were married in Granite City. So You're kidding. Uh, we grew that. up. Uh, yeah, we grew up. Um, we grew up in Iowa, but Granite City was really kind of like a second home, and that's where I fell in love with the St. Louis Cardinals. So uh, your, your neck of the woods means a lot to me uh, from a kid, and, and it still does today. Obviously, my daughter and her husband and grandkids live there. So you and I will share some. I, I know you make some wicked shish kebab, and I'm sure there's other Armenian food. But- I'm on it, Mike. I'm on it. You just let me know when you're coming in. Text me, call me, and uh, I'll have a I'll have uh, big uh, big Armenian uh, families here too. Uh, we, I mean, not not me, but we've got so many friends here from Armenia. We get together, and it, it's it's how we c- connect with our kids too. We want them to hang around with each other, just keep that fire lit. Because, like I've said it on the past shows, if it dies with us, then it we can't continue this. Uh, uh, Armenian blood, and uh, I mean, it's almost like we have to entrench it on the kids, and the kids have to uh, entrench it on their kids because, b- basically, I've said it before: it's a three to five against us that the Turks are just saying no. There's a, there no, no such thing as genocide. After generation after generation, it will die out to where yeah, there was no genocide. But if we keep the yeah fire lit if we keep this torch lit and if the mics out there the Johnos out there embrace and tell our kids that this is what happened and have them keep this fight up it's it's gonna last yeah yeah no i i think that's so important Jono. it's and, and it's it's a challenge no doubt because as as generations come and go 
the 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 Turks will always feel the same. That that won't change. And like you said, there's three to five to one, but uh, our our one is stronger than their 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 three to five. We just have to continue to pass it down to our kids, yeah. and and keep that kind of passion and fire lit. And to do that, you you do do things like you just suggested. Get them exposed to other army get get them really exposed to our our culture and um so yeah i, I i'm gonna after after we do this i i need some advice on uh, armenia i'm going there it won't be my i i know it's going to happen i know myself well enough i'm going to visit armenia and then i'm going to want to do it i'm going to make it an annual trip so my my journey really doesn't end by going and visiting to Armenia, I, my journey as an Armenian, I think, really is going to begin by being in Armenia. And so I'm going to bring back some Adadat brandy, and you're going to cook up some wicked food. I am. And we're going to talk about my trip. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Mike, uh, for being on the show. And uh, Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year. Still, uh, we're in January, so Happy New Year. And, yeah. uh, let's get everything going our way. And uh, hopefully we'll stay in touch. And uh, when, whenever you're in St. Louis, please please call me, let me know, and we'll, we'll make it happen. Yep, 100%. Thanks for having me on. You guys are doing a great job. Keep it up. I, I love your podcast. And so we'll connect live uh, one of these days, I'm sure. But thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, bud. All right, Mike. Take care. Okay. See you guys. All Bye-bye. Right. That was Mike Tatoyan. Wow. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Well, I tell you what, folks, uh, we're only trying to get things better here. Armenia Proud, uh, great guests. And you know what? Phenomenal. You know what's great about it? Mike knew our show. Yes. Mike knew our show. He was a fan. Yeah, he's a fan of our show, and we're a fan of him. I became a fan of his listening to that interview, man. I was like, I was blown away by how great that was. Yeah. About the Armenian general too, I the, I never the, would have thought that. The as general well. Firefly Festival, the the, the whole NASCAR. The NASCAR thing. I, I was like, never He's knew a good it was that guy fast. I, you know, well, you know what? That's uh, that's uh, what it's all about. And thank you, Mike, for being on our show. And folks, uh, thank you for getting on Amazon. Thank you for uh, getting on ArmeniaProud.com, and then uh, going to Amazon, and then. Uh, Buying something every time you you folks buy something, we get a little credit back, so we appreciate that. And uh, next week we'll we'll have Anish back next week Ooh. with uh, uh, one of uh, her wine sessions. Yes, yeah, I'm looking so, forward to that. Yeah, so uh, this this was our comeback show after uh, our New Year, New yeah. Year. So 2018, 2018, we're in 2018 now, flying by. All right, my friends. Well, you guys have a great new year, and uh, we'll be in touch. We'll next week. Uh, we'll kick it off again, and uh, just check us out at armeniaproud.com for other episodes as well. And Mike said that he listens to our show all the time. Yep. So that's great. Anyway, get out to my friends' key share party, and we'll see you next week. Tune in next week for another episode of A Toast to Armenia with Jano Kabinjian. Find the show online at armeniaproud.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation at facebook.com slash armeniaproud or Twitter at armeniaproud. Get all of our podcasts now at lineupmedia.fm.
This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.